Yo, hey, y'all. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you. And thank you to the Driehaus Museum and WGN Radio and uh, our team at the Corner Store. Ernie. And all the f- Ernie. This is Ernie, the producer. Make some noise for the producer one time. We got, we got our, our uh, she's hitting today. She didn't bring out the ones in Tuesday, but our super producer every week is uh, DJ Cashera. Uh, she's also in the building. You can make some noise for DJ Cashera. Uh, Max, uh, Max in the back is the official snack tour of the corner store. And so uh, he's also in the building. We want to thank, of course, Stolen Spirits for providing us with some cocktails. Are y'all uh, have imbibing, enjoying the beverages this evening? Good. Um, Tarma Hadevin, how are you? I'm good, Kevin Koval. Oh, I have to say you. your whole name. I appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, Tarma. No, this, it, Tarma Hadevin. Nightmares like Wes Craven. That's how I remember how to pronounce the last name. And um, I don't have one for you. I know that's fine. Yeah. Oval with a C. That's what my dad says. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, Everyone to say Koval. Yeah, I know a lot of people. It's not Oval, you know. No, no, yeah. it's Oval. Um, yo, we are in, of course, the beautiful. Driehouse Museum. We are doing a live version of our podcast called The Corner Store on WGN Radio. Uh, we have a live studio audience. Out of curiosity, how many of y'all have been in this impeccable, beautiful, brilliant building before? Some of y'all, okay. So like a tenth, maybe? A fifteenth? I'm not good at math. Some of y'all have been here. I was like five. five. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like 80,000 have been here. Um <laughs> Uh, this, I, I really, I'm really interested in this space and certainly excited to talk about uh, where we're at a little bit and particularly the new vision of, of I think, where uh, this space is, is going. And we have um, a, really, a really incredible thinker and curator, uh, someone who I'm really excited to talk about his role here. Uh, Kelly Suma is in the corner store. Make some noise for our guest, y'all. Kelly. Thank you. Now, Kelly, welcome, and of course, this is your home, really, so we're going to ask you a lot of questions about it in some ways, but we are, uh, before we address you properly, we have some gifts for all of our guests in the corner store, nice. uh, directly from the corner store, so tonight, uh, you know, Max was thinking we're in, you know, we're in a fancy place, like probably we're a little more health conscious in this, in this <laughs> joint, and so, um, you know, Max secured uh, some Vito Coco <laughs> pure coconut water with pineapple for you. I don't know if you, uh, nice. in, you know, yeah. get down. I support. You support. support. Uh, and then also, listen, the good news is there's no sugar added in this. Uh, it's a pressed by kind cherry apple chia bar. I don't only fruit and sh- I don't know what it is, but I think it's, you're going to like it. I think um, maybe, maybe not. I'll you take could, it. Yeah, you could eat it now or... Uh, Share it. Should we, should oh, we give the audience? You're their right. Gifts? Dang. Yeah. Yo, Max yeah. also yeah, Max laced really the audience, y'all. <laughs> um, so, audience, it also does not stop for you, Max. Uh, for the audience, I don't know how you guys are going to divvy these up. Um, also, I hope your hands are clean. Right. Yeah. I know. I hope you wash your hands. Uh, we're in a very civilized environment right now, so I hope I don't see like uh, any of these. We, we discussed this. Is it? Harboro, har- Haribo. 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 We, Haribo. 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 The man knows. That's 85 different responses. I don't know what it is, but we got some uh, gummy bears, the gold bears for y'all. Um, I'm going to... It's your responsibility now. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. This is the second. I, I, won't, I won't put it all on you. I won't put no, it all Kevin, on you. give it like midway. Oh, yeah. All right. And then, y'all... Um, you know, because Max thought that these were not going to uh, sully your fingers. Got some milk chocolate Reese's Punt peanut butter cup minis. 
All right. So I'm going to I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it. All right. Um, I'm, I'm dead ass. All right. All right. There you go. All right. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. All right. Very good. All right. So that was nice. Uh, please enjoy. Did, did you miss her capping it? No, I saw yeah. that. No, oh, no, okay, that okay. was dope. No, she Make got hands. Sure. The Cubs need her. Um, <laughs> K- Kelly, welcome, yeah. man. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for being with us. Good to have you. Thanks for having me here. Y- yeah, um, very fly fit, by the way. Ow! Right? Yeah, you really showed up. Yeah, more than you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I expected. <laughs> I mean, not right. more than me. More than you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's fair. No, I agree. I'm, I'm. That's fine. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, I got the memo. So you did. I right. come through. Doing it well. Um, it's only. So we're gonna we're gonna talk very much about what this, what you, what, what your presence in this building means. But before we do any of that, let's just talk about who you are, and where do you come from. <laughs> That's a long story. Let's, we got time, <laughs> y'all. That's what. That's why we're here. All right. Um, I think I'm going to start with. So I was born in Ghana. Um, I was born in Accra. My parents um, came from different cities, um, Ho and uh, sorry, Shia and Takrade, and they met in the capital city in Ghana, Accra. Um, so that's where I was born, and I lived there for eight years until we relocated to Vienna, Austria. Um, so that was in 98, and I grew up there, went to school there, um, went to international school there, um, and grew up there basically till I came to Chicago for undergrad, so that was about 2009, okay. um, and I came to the School of the Arts of Chicago to do my um, bachelor's in fine arts, and along the way, um, stayed for <laughs> a very long time. Um, and got another degree in um, visual and critical studies, and now I'm finishing off my master's in architecture at the school. Bet. Okay. Well, how did you start making art? I think everyone has a kind of a similar story um, as to how they got involved with arts. So they started drawing when they were young, copying stuff. So for me, um, I was drawing around the age of eight, um, and I was... I, I would say that my interest increased when I moved to Vienna. Um, and then I was drawing from like video game manuals, um, anime, comic strips. Um, and we had a really good arts program at my school that started um, really young. Um, I think they started the kids with art in kindergarten and that extended all the way into high school. So you, I graduated high school with, um, with an IB kind of like class in art. I did art high level. So my interest was sustained throughout my um, education. And and what was it like being Ghanaian in Austria? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know the Ghanaian population in Austria, but I'm just... And how does living in Vienna, like, you know, inform your art? Uh, um, There is, there is a vibrant expat community in Vienna. So, there is a, the reason why my family relocated was there is a UN headquarters in Vienna. So that's the United Nations. And my dad is a nuclear physicist. So he worked with... Uh, Not so subtle flex. <laughs> Gotta throw it in there. Yeah, yeah. right. No doubt. Um, my dad's worked. an Uber driver. <laughs> Had to throw that one in there. Not so subtle maybe, flex. Maybe, Not so subtle flex. Subtle, yeah. Maybe some of these people have been driven by your father. I, I, yeah. Some of them hopefully maybe <laughs> have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he worked with uh, the IAEA. So that's the International Atomic Energy Agency. And that's where they headquartered is in Vienna. So a lot of um, international kind of um, UN workers, um, 
um, physicists, inspectors kind of congregate into the city. Um, in addition to that, there's also an other large international bodies that are connected to the UN. So there's um, OPEC as well. So that's kind of um, all the petroleum-producing countries. So you have different communities in there um, in the city, and and it's small, but they all kind of are around the same place and oftentimes around the international school. So being in that school, I didn't necessarily feel too out of place. Um, Not to say that the African population in my school was high either. We were really small. Um, So in a class of maybe 120, there were maybe six of us total. Um, But um, so that kind of, that kind of gave me an environment um, that helped me mediate my experience in the city of Vienna, which um, has a reputation for being grumpy, um, but very beautiful as well. So those are the kind of the two qualities that kind of shaped my experience there. I was immersed in architecture and art and you know, music. Um, it's, Vienna is a really important city for all of those three things. Um, kind of the capital of the Habsburgs Empire before it came down. So historically, it's a really important place. Um, and I think the, the this having all of that having collapsed, um, especially after the World Wars, um, kind of created a situation where um, people were holding on to certain kinds of vestiges of their national identity and saw any kind of outsider as a threat um, to that. So, and that included other Europeans, um, not just people who are black and brown. Yeah. I do imagine Vienna is really homogenous. Um, uh, yes and no. Well, I mean, it seems like you said no, but in my mind. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. certainly what, like, they yeah. made that good Nazi run, right? Yeah, like, they, yeah. They, they had that, yeah. like, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's they a rule that both, that both world yeah. wars were started by an Austrian. Oh, yeah, facts. so yeah, <laughs> not a not a good, not a good history. Yeah. So, so you've been in Chicago for about a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this point. and so you came for school, but what are your what, you know what are your thoughts of of the city and particularly kind of the various artistic communities mm-hmm. that I know you are part of and privy to and. Mm-hmm. So. Um, my first impressions of Chicago is like it's very large compared to Vienna. So the entire population of Austria is about seven million. Um, so that's maybe double if you like double the size of Chicago in terms of population. Three million, you get you get close enough. So Chicago was very expansive and very open in terms of its arts community. Um, I didn't feel like I could easily navigate my way through Vienna's arts kind of hubs. Um, and partly because I don't think I was as plugged in when I was in high school and coming in here in college just had a very different experience and it just felt very um, open um, to doing new things and a lot of my friends were you know, showing in DIY spaces or creating their own opportunities and spaces so I think I felt like you know, Chicago is a good fer- fertile ground for kind of an arts community yeah What made you stay? I think um, just finishing school. Um, <laughs> I think I thought about leaving maybe after I, I had completed my undergrad. So that was um, like five years. In, um, after five years, I was like thinking of moving somewhere else. Um, uh, but I think when I looked around and was looking into 
the programs that I was interested in. And at this point, I had, you know, developed a keen interest in architecture. I think um, it made sense to still stick around. Um, so yeah, that's what kept me. So now let's talk about your your work as a as an artist, as a thinker, as a as a curator. What are what are some of the things that now in your graduate work? I mean, what are some of the things that you are wrestling with, dealing mm-hmm. with, thinking about? Um, so I'm actually. I've been thinking about house museums a lot lately. That's what my thesis is kind of exploring. Um, and I am still basically trying to find where out where that spark came from. Um, I think probably has something to do with, you know, my relationships to different, you know, ideas of home and house, houses um, having moved, um, really moved majorly twice. Um, but I think that at the core of that search is just having questions around display and questions around exhibition and exhibition making. Um, I think as artists, we work, visual artists, we work with, um, we work around kind of an, like, you know, an, an experience that's around the eye. Like I'm looking at something and I'm kind of having an experience around that. And I felt like my thesis was, oh, I wonder if um, house museums have this potential or this promise, at least, you know, in their name, house and museum, that there's possibly a different experience that could be had at this space as opposed to going to, you know, the MCA or to the Art Institute, um, which have, you know, a different way of being situated in the city and being situated in exhibitions and exhibition making. So I wondered if, oh, I wonder if there's like an opportunity here for something new and something different. And so that's kind of what started my curiosity and uh, my journey into curating. What are some other house museums that are well-known? I'm not familiar. Yeah, so there's a consortium of house museums in Chicago, and about 26 make that list. Um, and I've been to 13 at this point um, for my thesis, just visiting, talking to the directors, um, documenting them through photography, kind of just recording my experiences along the way and seeing if... Um, seeing if... Um, some of the things I've been looking for are present. So, for example, Clark House, which is close to the Glesner House. Um, so that's on 18th and close to 18th in Michigan. So South Loop area. That's maybe the oldest house museum in Chicago. Um, that was built before the fire. And so it's like an all stone house. And that's why it survived. Um, and then the newest one that I've been to is in Schaumburg called the Schweiker House. Um, and that's kind of a modernist um, building built in 1938. Um, and so there's a huge range between the two in terms of um, the asset that the museum has, um, the history, how do they interpret the house, whether through the lens of the architect or through the lens of the artist or um, through another kind of programmatic lens. And all of those different decisions open up possibilities. Um, and right now, historic house museums have a, um, are seen to have a disadvantage because they have a lot of things that can't be touched. Um, and so you can enter into a space and feel really claustrophobic because it's like everything is precious um, as opposed to walking into the muse- into like a larger space like the Art Institute where there's a little bit more latitude. You can walk around. You can um, you know look at things without feeling like you're going to break something. Um, but it's been interesting kind of going into these different spaces and seeing how they use um, their space to frame the narrative or to frame their exhibitions. Um, and there's always something odd going on in there. And I feel like that's something that um, they can use to their benefit as opposed to seeing it as a detriment. 
Well, and of course, we're in a house museum right yes. now. At the you know, Dree House Museum is a house museum, a beautiful house that has become a museum. How did your relationship with this space start? And what mm-hmm. I, I, we kind of want to talk about, of course, what is your role here and mm-hmm. what is you know, the future? But how, how did it begin? Um, it started, so I was doing an internship with the Graham Foundation, which is located in another house museum, <laughs> in another house, um, Madeliner House, and it's not too far off from here. Um, so I was, I was working there, and I was talking to um, Sarah Herder, um, who is the director of that space, and um, kind of my, uh, my other supervisors there, Ellen and Ava, about this idea of house museums and thinking about that. And I was invited to a meeting of house museums in Chicago. And so I went along, and that's actually the first time I met Richard. Um, And Ellen introduced me to him, and we had a conversation. And later on, I came to see this particular house. Um, And then, um, really interestingly, um, I think Richard was cooking up something um, and didn't reveal all his cards, but I, I, I sensed something was happening in this space. Was he twirling his mustache, too? It was, was he just, like, just hmm. took me on a tour, showed me how beautiful this space was, and kind of like uh, <laughs> um, sweet-talked me into the possibilities and the potentials that were going to be taking place in this space. And so I was thinking about that, and about a month later... Um, I got a call from Richard about this opportunity to um, be a part of this fellowship program, this contemporary arts initiative. So I definitely jumped in that opportunity to you know, be a part of this. What are the things you like about Treehouse, I guess? Or like what like, stands out to you when you mm-hmm. first came here? Um, I think anytime you enter into a house museum... Um, that threshold point is really important um, because you don't even know it's a museum in the first place. You walk past it, and that happened to a lot of the other buildings. Um, but I think oh, with the relationship that I've had here, it's one that has been inviting. And so I think over time, I've, I've, I feel comfortable taking up more space here. Um, and I think as a result of that, I feel that there is um, a possibility to extend that kind of... Um, invitation and hospitality to um, Chicagoans. And so I think that um, the Treehouse Museum is one of, you know, is, 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 is leading that kind of edge in opening up in its doors in a, in a radical way and inviting in um, not only kind of contemporary artists to show, but kind of emerging artists in the city um, and using their space um, and their resources as a, as a kind of platform to launch people's um, careers. Yeah, which is beautiful and very refreshing, right? Yeah, Especially yeah. given, you know, the, not only where we are geographically in the city, but yeah. also, I mean, this is such a beautiful home, but it's also intimidating in that way. Yeah. So to be able to kind of open the doors yeah. and reimagine what might also be inside seems yeah. to be significant. Yeah, and I think there's there's a legacy of that here, too. So um, the Nickersons, um, you know, were collectors, they supported artists, they were early trustees of the Art Institute. So some of this is actually in its DNA. Um, so I think that um, it's, it's, it really makes sense to kind of extend that and build upon, um, upon that legacy. Um, and, I, and I'm sure that other spaces have something like this that could also be opened up to their various constituents and their various communities. Yeah. But you mentioned the opportunity, the, the fellowship mm-hmm. program. So mm-hmm. what, what, like, what is your role here? And, and if we could talk a little about the fellowship yeah. program, we're also going to uh, get an opportunity to talk to one of the fellows. Yeah, 
Yeah. So um, the Contemporary Arts Initiative that was started by Richard is showcases um, started out with Yinka Shanibar and showcasing an international and acclaimed artist in this space um, who is in conversation with houses like this. Um, and that's the exhibit that's up that's right the exhibit now. That's, yeah. yeah, that's up right now. Through for, I mean, and it's up for a while. So as yeah. people are listening to this, yeah. obviously both in the audience, out. but also uh, you know on the pod, yeah. uh, they could come see it. Yeah, it yeah. opens till um, till September. So yeah. there's a lot of time to come see the work, um, and it's perfectly situated here because Yinka spoke to um, spaces and people who would have occupied these types of spaces. Um, but the emerging kind of artist fellowship is. A program that I'm that I am creating and co-creating with the fellows that kind of sits in relationship to that, and so what um, I envisioned was that well, how can the museum be this resource um, and continue this legacy that the Nickersons had, and so what I've kind of created um, are different kinds of opportunities. So one of them is. Um, basically um, doing these kind of seminars um, where we bring in different arts professionals in the city, so from the MCA, from the Art Institute, and definitely from the Dreamhouse Museum to kind of talk through different um, topics and issues that artists experience. So um, as an artist, you have, to, you have to write a lot of grants, get into residencies, um, you have to cultivate relationships in the art world, um, you have to think about the longevity of your work, um, um, exhibition prep, transport, all of these things that sometimes get covered in your education, but a lot of times people have to figure that out either on your own or do other kinds of um, residencies in the city or talk to other artists to figure out. Um, and in addition to that, um, we provide opportunities for artists to be in conversations with um, curators. So we had an event where the fellows were speaking with um, um, Naomi Beckwith, who's a curator at the MCA, and Larry Sims, um, just kind of about, you know, their kind of careers, their life, how they navigated this world, what are some of their concerns. And those um, conversations have been really fruitful um, in kind of providing insight. Um, and in addition to that, there's going to be um, an exhibition opportunity for the fellows as well. So there are just lots of different opportunities where that are kind of outward facing, but then there's also um, a whole other program where um, we're having dinners and doing studio visits internally. So to foster a kind of um, community among the fellows to see each other, um, you know, not only as um, peers, but also as friends. The uh, name of the ex- exhibit and the name of the fellowship are similar, right? A mm-hmm. tale of today. Mm-hmm. How are they in conversation with each other? Um, so I think that A Tale of Today is, the title is meant to, f- uh, meant to focus on the contemporary. So historic house museums typically focus on the historic aspect of the house, using the house as, a, as an object on display, you know, talking about kind of the architecture. and so what that's, it was yeah, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's um, that um, has its audiences, and, and that has its... Um, Strengths, but I think um, a lot of 
um, people, that, that also makes it a kind of one-time visit. You come in, you see this house, and you're like, right. oh, now I know the treehouse, and you move on. But I think with the contemporary initiative, so, and the tale of today comes from um, Mark Twain, so but it's to focus on this idea of the contemporary, and can we make this a venue and a site that continually gives, um, not only to its audience, but extends that to you know a broader Chicago public. And so that prefix is important to kind of showcase the main um, exhibition that's happening, but also um, the kind of um, platform that the museum is trying to create for emerging artists. Okay. And of course, the fellows, you've, you've assembled quite the squad. <sighs> yeah. Right? It's like Voltron, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you make those selections or you worked um, at the Yeah, I think um, when we, when I was pitched this idea to be part of this program, um, we were also looking to get um, support from the Joyce Foundation. And so I just was like, okay, who do I know who um, would be interested and could benefit from this opportunity? And at that point, nothing was fleshed out. So it was like, it's an idea. And so I had no idea what um, the implications would be, what the opportunities would look like, what the role would be playing. And I really wanted... Um, gather people who I felt could help co-create this so that um, moving forward, this is like a robust and strong program that could be opened up um, to a wider audience. So um, the four, the four um, yeah, um, are really strong, strong artists in their own right, yeah. makers, um, and I'm proud to be working with them. Well, we're going we're gonna to have an opportunity to talk with one of them, so maybe we'll bring uh, Jeff Lee up now. Um, uh, Y'all, please help us welcome uh, one of the fellows of the program, an incredible uh, interdisciplinary artist, originally from Venezuela, but of course is uh, doing incredible work here in Chicago. Please make some noise for Jeff Lee Molina. <laughs> Jeff Lee, welcome. Hi. Thank you. How are you? Very well. Good. We, you know, we have, we have some uh, snacks it for continues. you in the corner store as well. Um, <laughs> Let's see, let's see what we got. First of all, uh, you know, Max secured uh, some Tropicana lemonade with other natural flavors. That seems shady. It's like, why just not have lemonade? But um, yeah, you got, I don't know if you, what you want to do with that. And then um, some crispy, shareable sized M&Ms. I don't know what makes it crispy, but please uh, enjoy it. Yeah, from the corner store. That was a good sell. No. Yeah. I, look, Eminem's not a sponsor of the podcast. Once they are, I'll be like, these are yeah, aspirational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Sponsored by. Um, but welcome. Thank you. And uh, I want to say I'm, I'm already a big fan. Uh, Same. You know, saw yeah. the show at, at uh, Kavi Gupta that you had last year. Thank you. Um, so really beautiful. I mean, I don't, I'm going to mess it up if I describe it, but for me, I felt like it was like collage, color block, portraits uh, that was mixed trying. Mixed media. Yeah, mixed yeah. media and trying to like, maybe, I don't know, something about like maybe, uh, you know, querying racial identity. I don't know. That's, my, that's what I took away from, um, you know, watching, but big fan of your work. So welcome to the corner store. Thank you, Kevin. And Tara. Welcome, yeah. <laughs> um, now, now, so of course, you are, are not born and raised in Chicago, no. but you come from Venezuela. Yes, I was born and raised in Venezuela. I um, spent some time in Miami, and then I came to Chicago in 2011 to attend the School of the Art Institute, where, where actually... Kelly was my uh, orientation leader. History. <laughs> 
and it's funny because uh, back then we didn't know each other's work. I mean, my work was not... I didn't know what I was doing back then. Um, but Kelly was such a memorable, left such a memorable impression on me. It was just so welcoming into the school. And I think that it's such a perfect fit for this for this new fellowship because, as you said, this place is so intimidating. And for, for Kelly to be taken on this role, suddenly he's giving me an orientation again. Yeah. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> To this house, it and I feel ends. yet again welcome in a new place. That um, yeah, yeah, that's dope. Yeah. Um, so when from Venezuela to Miami, for, and there's so many Venezuelans in Miami. Yeah, right now. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure you know. Um, Those when, of you who read the news. Yes. When, when did you? Right. When did you? When did you uh, come from Venezuela to Miami? I came in 2007. And that uh, I have been in the States for, yeah, for 12 years now. And I came originally because I come from the Andes in Venezuela. We, we do have one university for arts, but it wasn't something that we didn't have even a museum in where I was born. So to be an artist there was not something feasible. It wasn't something that my parents really quite understood, though. They were entirely supportive. Uh, so, also, we got a lot of exchange of students in our little town because nobody spoke English. So, suddenly, this curiosity of speaking a new language and also of being able to be in a place where I could be an artist and that was not a crazy thing became a real desire. And it moved me to mm, ask my parents to allow me to come and live in Miami with an aunt who was starting a restaurant. And, well, that's a very long story that we don't have time for. But uh, that's how I came. I came first to Miami because I had the support with my parents and my aunt to go there. And I started my bachelor's in uh, New World School of the Arts there. And then eventually I met this lovely family who told me that Chicago was an amazing city and that I should be in a private school. And they actually sponsored me to come to the School of the Art Institute because they fell in love with my work. So that's how I happened to come to Chicago in 2011. Did they tell you it was going to be cold? (laughs) (laughs) I came in the worst blizzard. They kept saying, back then I didn't have a smartphone. Oh, no. So I had one of the flip flip phones, and I wasn't really into news back then. So I suddenly am walking outside from my building, and the snow is, uh, I don't know how many feet, uh, inches high. And I want to go to the grocery store. Was this 2011? Yeah, 2011. I remember that blizzard. Yes. And then I go to the grocery store, and it's closed. And you know, grocery stores never close. And then it was closed, so it was like the worst day of the blizzard. And I was thinking, oh, wow, this is how it is. This is going to be fun. But, yeah. How did you develop an interest in art if there wasn't a big art community? It was, my interest in art comes from when I was a child. Uh, It was really the most consistent thing. I was very polyphacetic. I liked um, singing, but I don't have a good voice. Um, I wanted to learn how to play guitar, but I'm half deaf. So (laughs) I wanted to act. Um, I still attempt writing. I don't know that I'm very good at it. But no, you are. You, I have, am you have beautiful, very, you have beautiful I am pieces still on your going website. For it. <laughs> and then, but painting and drawing was something that was uh, 
consistently uh, good and or at least people will not turn me down on that so um, I kept doing it and it was just it, it was a necessity from when I was four or five years old I've always been involved in the visual arts and yeah yeah. And so for, for people who might not be familiar, how do you describe your practice and, and the work that you make? Well, I think the work that I make uh, is primarily figurative. Uh, I uh, use a lot of influences from surrealism, from magical realism especially. Magical realism is a movement in Latin American, especially literature, and that it basically is imagine reality uh, endorsed with the magic of sayings and things that you would uh, euphemisms is that a word when you exaggerate things well these things will actually happen in these books and it's really beautiful because I grew up in a home with a lot of sayings all of my, my I think my wisdom comes from sayings so if I have any uh, so uh, I think that I definitely wanted to 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 incorporate that into my work and when I came here I learned more about surrealism I also learned about conceptual art I also learned about minimalism so suddenly all of these different uh, being exposed to all of these different movements had an effect on my current work which I think grasps a lot of the culture I come from and also from my present and is constantly transforming. I mean, uh, I'm a painter, mainly. I have done some public sculptures, all of which are in Florida now. Um, I love poetry, reading, and I have begun um, writing some poems of my own. I don't yet consider myself a poet, but I adore um, language, to put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And now in this program, uh, what, you know, what does it mean to have the space to be able to be in conversation with other artists, to be focused in, in, in a, an informed community, and also then have the space to be able to think, but also be able to make? Well, it was very surprising, to be honest. Uh, I have heard of this beautiful home before. Unfortunately, the person that presented it to me before was like, there is a there is a beautiful, there is a beautiful old house that you should visit, and that's the Dree House Museum. And I'm just like, okay, okay, I don't want to go to an old house. And so, this was years ago. Um, eventually, I had the opportunity through Kekeli to to visit this museum, and to be honest, from the first moment I walked in, I was in awe especially because of what I just said, this magical realism, this surrealism, there is so much of that in this house. All of this pattern, all of these beautiful chandeliers, the Tiffany glass, the lights, the design of this house, it lends itself so completely to my imagination. Um, I did not expect that, and I have to say thanks to also Amy, Anna, and Richard, because yet again, like Kelly was an or, uh, orientator for SAIC and he made that experience so welcoming. My English wasn't even very good back then when I just first came to Chicago. 
um, I felt a little bit the same when I walked into this house. And then suddenly everyone is so welcoming. And they really allow me to feel that, okay, you completely belong here. You're one of our fellows. Just sit in front of you. You know, and that's just like, well, what can we do? You, you need your cold tongue. You need this. It's, they're always so uh, absolutely open and welcoming. And I think that that has had an effect on us. Because it is a place that is in disjunction a, a little bit with, you know, contemporary arts and so on, which makes it all more interesting. Uh, it's interesting that you, you know, work in so many different mediums. Do you feel like they inform each other, the sculpture and the poetry and the... Well, mainly it's painting. I think that uh, literature and poetry does inform my work, whether it's my own personal poetry, which is now immersed in some of my paintings. I do have text in some of my paintings in addition to figures and animals and things. Um, I think that it's all related. I think that when you are a creative, uh, you are things are constantly weaving and creating this big uh, carpet. You know, whether it's that I'm making a sculpture, I'm thinking of the sculpture in the same terms I would think of a painting. There is this presence that I am trying to achieve in whatever I make. By presence, I mean this thing that will uh, make you have an experience of some sort. It's not just an object, right? It's a presence. Suddenly there is something very beautiful, which I, yet again, think that there is so moments in this house that have that effect without it having to be an artwork, necessarily. But Jinka, Shonivari, especially the sculptures answers, they all have that. Yeah, so... Well, that, that's a question for both of you uh, that I have. And I know it's something that Tara thinks a lot about uh, being, you know, first-generation American. I'm second-generation American, but... I'm Jewish, and so I also think a lot about diaspora mm-hmm. um, and just like uh, some of the things that when we were getting the tour mm-hmm. of the exhibition here, just thinking about issues of hybridity and bringing things with you and also kind of negotiating in a new space, a space that is not your home. Um, how do you each think of, of these issues as essentially kind of global cosmopolitan citizens, but in a city like Chicago that is also so rooted in a very specific local Mm-hmm. Culture. How do you how do you negotiate these spaces? Um, I think um, that's a really hard question. Um, Fair. I think um, I think um, so. When I went to the Francis Willard House in Evanston, um, they interpret their house through um, a kind of a proto-feminist kind of history. Um, and one of the things that the directors told me is that home is not a, stag- a stagnant thing. Home is is maintained, it's made. Um, and that for a long time, the house, the home has been a site of production. So I think from coming from a diasporic um, identity, um, that is very much, I think, part of how I think about these spaces. There's a kind of productive element. Wherever you go, you fashion not only with what you have, but with also what's there. So even the home that gets made is hybrid in, in, in nature, you know, with things that you brought with you, but also with, you know, what's on, what's on site. Um, I kind of like to joke that, you know, I don't really want to carry anything that doesn't fit into, like, uh, you know, a, check on, a check-in bag, you know, just because I'm really aware of having you to move. And, and so 
you know, the way that we navigate or the way that I've, I've navigated space is conscientious of that. Um, but I think that being in Chicago for this long, I think um, there was an inflection point where I felt a part of the city and a part of kind of its its arc of history and, and the conversations that were happening in the different neighborhoods. I think prior to that, maybe I, I felt um, um, maybe not fully... Um, enmeshed you know in in the, in the fabric of the city and um i had i hadn't necessarily taken on its concerns and its conversations but i think um over time and having lived in multiple neighborhoods at this point i think um it definitely has become uh, a home for me um and one of the important um places that i i believe have really um shaped um my understanding and my identity um and i think it will be something that i will continue to carry with me um wherever i go yeah and jeffrey for you well i am wrestling with this question because you know there is so much going on in this country and in my country it's quite overwhelming and uh, so for me to to be able to deal with this in in a way that I can contain it is to go back into the privacy, into the the home, the idea of home. Last year in the Gupta show, I created a series called Fragments of an Imaginary Home. And Fragments of an Imaginary Home were this series of 10 paintings, and each painting was a little pile of clothes of very neatly folded shirts or... uh, they were mainly shirts, so all mainly shirts. Um, the reason I did this is because one day, as I was um, in this apartment in Chicago, and I was folding my clothes, and I was living in this apartment with another person. The apartment was not fully my my home, and I'm also in a, in another city that is. I, I I think it's a home to me, but you know it's another home of 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 the ones that I have had so far. And I was folding this clothes, and I was I realized that this is a habit that I'm making. I'm trying to make a home out of my folding the clothes, and the reason why is because I learned these habits from my mother and my grandmother. Because when you are growing up you are taught how to make a home in these different ways. For me, it was folding the clothes and doing the house chores and all of these things. So I decided that I wanted to magnify that in a whole series of works and and create this imaginary home, which is what I have been creating since I left Venezuela. Not because Venezuela is my only home, but because I feel that as an artist, I'm constantly in movement. I'm constantly traveling. I'm constantly making a home of a new place. I lived in in Miami. I lived now in Chicago. In Venezuela, I lived in a few cities, different cities growing up. My family had a nomadic um, life, so I live in different cities. So I'm always in transition. And it seems to me that I'm trying to make these homes of places by using this little um, habit of life, daily life. So I am sorry that I don't have like a grand statement of how to, you know, like I'm fighting, I'm fighting, yeah, like. I thought that was actually very lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. y'all could clap for that. That was, I thought that was dope. I was looking at your website and I saw that series and I wanted to actually ask you, so that's really beautiful though. All right, so at this point though, 
you guys are Chicagoans, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. You guys have been here well, long enough. We'll take it. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. So just uh, a few quick questions just about the city. Like, where do you all go to uh, get inspiration outside of the, uh, you know, Driehaus Museum? Hmm. Um, I think I have a couple of spots. Um, for the longest time, I used to live in Hyde Park. And so I would just walk around 53rd and 55th, um, and I would go to the record store, and there was, like, a neighborhood plant shop and a Korean, like, restaurant. Um, And I would go there to do a lot of thinking and to just be outside, especially in the summer months. Um, And so that had a kind of impact on on me. And I think also um, I used to cycle a lot, so from Hyde Park to the Loop, and so that journey along the lakefront um, just had, like, in the snow and in the rain, um, there's kind of a lot of sensory memories um, baked into doing that journey up and down the lakefront. Um, and then one time I decided to walk <laughs> from school home, um, and that was, like, a stupidly four-hour journey. Um, but I think, again, experiencing that, that, that strip um, along the lake... Um, I think uh, I, I come to it, um, I come back to it in my mind's eye, and um, I think that journey is where um, I get a lot of inspiration from outside of a place like this. I go to antique shops and that all over the city and outside of the city too. Um, I live in Pilsen, and I go on walks and runs uh, about two or three times a week, even in winter. And I love looking at people's homes' windows. <laughs> Yo, wait. I know I that sounds creepy, and that this. was not a good syntax. I'm sorry, but I was trying to <laughs> create that sentence we call it without making it sound weird. Um, if you leave your blinds open... <laughs> yeah, you're inviting a lot, right? Yeah, no. Kosher. No, it's not my yeah. fault. Yeah. We could also edit that out if you want. <laughs> exactly. out of the sound yeah. of the, you know. But truly, uh, especially when It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm a stalker. I'm being I, real. one of the things I like. And no, I think it's so magical. I think it's so magical to see the lights to the window and to imagine how people live inside and sometimes to imagine there's a family in you're right you're right you're right you're right I just we're it's we're weird I think it's yeah. And watch Your people sleep. Like it's really, you know, and roll up in the crib. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> that's why I live on the third floor. No, that's real. That's real. That's real. Um, Wait, no, I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> really important. Have you found the good Venezuelan food here? Actually, there is a couple of restaurants. There is a Bienmesabe in downtown, mm-hmm. and there is Rica Arepa in Hermosa. And both of them are very non-pretentious restaurants. They serve real Venezuelan food, really wonderful. So you guys should try it. Nice. Okay. All right. Yeah. Kelly, any uh, Ghanaian-Austrian mashup food <laughs> joints in Chicago? Gosh, if any, only. Yeah. You're going to have to come to my house for that. Um, <laughs> There is a Ghanaian restaurant in Uptown called, called Grace African, and every time I need to like mm. eat some like banku and okra soup, that's where I go to. And I've I've brought a lot of people there with me. 
um, so they know me at this point. I call them like family. Um, but I would advise going with another Ghanaian <laughs> um, if you want to get like if you want to know what you're getting. Um, okay. Otherwise, like, they'll serve you a cheeseburger. Yeah, you'll be, like, you'll yeah, be getting yeah, all yeah. kinds of things. Um, and um, there's an Austrian bakery that I found. I forget its name, but you can get um, um, up first through there. Um, and I'd recommend just checking it out. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, you, you all are both like really beautiful spirits. Um, where, where can people stay in tune with what you're doing, what you're making? Uh, where, where online is the best place for folks to find you all? Uh, I think I think at this point everything's going on Instagram. Yeah. So I think um, you can follow me on Instagram, Kikeli Suma, um, and yeah, I think I think that's where I'll keep it at. Okay. I'm also one of four wonderful fellows. So it's Brittany Williams, is Luis Rodriguez, is Daryl McKinney, and then there is me, and yes. Jeffrey Molina, Instagram, the, all of us have websites. Um, it's very easy to find us. Just Google wonderful artists. <laughs> and they'll all come up. <laughs> and, and, and just to, to that end, before we, before we get out of here, what, what is the conclusion of the program, the conclusion of the term? Mm-hmm. Is this forever? Do you all move in? What goes on? <laughs> um, I think, um, oof. Yeah, I think there will be an exhibition of some sort in the uh, house. In the house, great. Um, we have some artist talks. Definitely come to those if you want to hear more about Jeff Lee's and Brittany's work and Daryl and Louise's work. They'll be in conversation with each other, so you can find kind of intersections and themes um, between the artists. The, ne- the next one is on June eleventh. June eleventh with Brittany yeah. and Louise uh, and Jeff Lee. Yeah, July 25th and July with Daryl and um, Louise. Yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely come to that. You can hear more about the artists. You can see their work. Um, and, um, yeah, I think keep um, follow all their handles on Instagram, and we will be posting updates on things to come. Excellent. Well, y'all, can we make some noise, please, for Jeff Lee and Pete Kelly? Good job. Um, Thank you. We, uh, we are really grateful to be able to do this at all. And so certainly want to thank uh, the Driehaus Museum for hosting me and, and Tara and I uh, this evening and you all this evening. Uh, so salutes to, to all of the staff here, um, Amy and Richard in particular, for the vision and for, for welcoming us again. want to thank WGN Radio and our staff there who makes it happen uh, every week for us. Uh, you can listen to the Corner Store podcast every Tuesdays. We drop new episodes on WGN on their website and also on Apple and SoundCloud and wherever else you might listen to uh, podcasts. We want to thank, of course, this evening our sponsor, uh, not only tonight, but also on the corner store, Stolen Spirits, uh, for their continued support of our uh, inebriation. So salutes to them for producing incredible, incredible spirits. Um, And again, thank you, the the two of you, so much for being here. And thank you all for listening and uh, continue to tune in. Thanks, y'all. Yo, we want to thank DJ Exist for the beat. Langston Olsen for the art. 
Big ups, Todd Manley at WGN Radio. And Max and Dami, the corner store interns. Salutes to our super producer, DJ Cash Era. You can keep in tune with the corner store at cornerstore underscore pod on Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud. Also, you can stream and download the corner store wherever you listen to podcasts. And please rate and subscribe and comment on iTunes. Please, y'all, consider giving us those five stars. Thank you for listening. We're going to see you next week. The Corner Store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.